0: Welcome to the
2: Besotted Pride of West London podcast. We are Happy Bees, because we got a win back on the track again. We got a 1-0 win against Rotherham, who came down to Griffin Park, and uh, three points in the bag. Ground out a bit, a bit unfortunate in the first half, but overall, we did deserve the win. So uh, we're back on track, fifth place in the league, and we're Happy Bees, as I say. I'm Billy Grant, and I'm going to be chatting to you today with my mate, Dave Lane. How are you mm-hmm. doing,
3: Dave? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. Another, another week without a midweek fixture. Um, so we, we're going Saturday to Saturday still, aren't we? So, um, yeah, looking forward to Brighton on Saturday. Yeah, all good. Which is good. And I'm just wondering,
2: anything catch your eye this week in the news, Dave?
3: Uh, it's been quite quiet, isn't it, Brentford? Brentford boys? well, you know, going back to the weekend, I, I, I think the, the standout, the standout uh, moments really was obviously apart from getting the three points was uh, Steve Evans' comments after the game, which were a mixture between downright fantasy and bizarre. So um, yeah, I'll mind having a chat about that a little bit later on. He's um, a colourful character, he's passionate but um, deluded.
2: He is right. We'll chat about that a bit later. And in the studio as well, I've got Mr Matt Allard. Matt, how are you
4: doing? Yeah, I'm very well, very well. Happy with the win on Saturday, not so much the performance, um, but the win was good. Nice to get something under our belts, you know. It was indeed, it was indeed. And
2: anything catch your eye on the week, Matt?
4: I suppose it's more what hasn't caught my eye. I've been waiting for the great sort of transfer signing, and we've not done that yet. Um, I, think we, I think we picked up another midfielder, albeit for the academy squad, but I'm not sure how many more of those we can get. I think we said it every week now. We did.
2: Well, we're going to chat about that a bit later in the show. But first of all, let's look back to the weekend. Three points in the bag, in the onion bag. We got it, so we're all feeling a little bit more relaxed. Steve Evans, Rotherham came down. They couldn't quite handle the mighty, mighty bees at Griffin Park. Three points we got. Let's listen to what the fans had to say in the pub after the game.
4: We probably played better in recent weeks and not got results. And we, you know, but there was we created a few chances here and there. I think um, Rotherham had their moments. They, were, I don't think they're a great team. I stand by that. Um, but we kind of ground out a result. The second half is a lot better than the first half. Whether or not he gave them a kick up the arse at half-time, I don't know. But we came out in the second half, and I thought that we managed to move the ball. Of, ground a bit quicker. The midfield just
0: didn't have the energy it does though when judges play and we really missed that today. Definitely a game of two halves. First half very nervous. I think we didn't want to repeat the mistakes of the Ipswich game. I think that when we play well we are almost unstoppable. We should have beaten Brighton within about 25 minutes of the first half of the FA Cup game. We should have been out of sight. If we'd applied that game plan today the players were confident enough to apply that game plan again we would have beaten Rotherham and we would have been out of sight by half time, we we're too nervous Whenever we have people come to Brentford for their first game they don't really know how to, how to push the team on we have a core fan base of 4, 5 maybe 6,000 now that's growing But until they come every week, they're not really sure how to get the team going in the same way as the people in the the Ealing Road stand maybe. If we're going to offer these kids and these families an opportunity to come and see Brentford, it can't be a one-off. They've got to come week in, week out, so that when we do grow and we do move to the new ground at Lionel Road, they know... That their job is to cheer that team on win, lose or draw in the sunshine, in the rain we have to be behind the team 100% and I think for them, they're learning, it's an education but we need them there every week not there just now and again we need to offer opportunities for them to be able to afford to come every week so that they learn what it is to be a Brentford fan and how it is to cheer them on It's sad to say
1: but I always feel like Grey was too offside shall we say. It was, there was too many instances of it and it needs to, it needs to knuckle down a bit more and get on side. I know is the simplest way, or maybe there's some, needs some support up there. Very patchy, yeah. Very league, almost league two style football. I don't think we um, we, we were uh, they were easily marking us out of the game. Um, I didn't think we were gonna. We were really struggling, and a better side would have punished us, I think. But um, you know, we came, we got the break in the end, and. Uh, the heads got lifted and we finished it off. But uh, brilliant save by David Button man. That that was a real kind of game-winning save. When Smith came on, he was quite good at sort of finishing off the game properly. You know, keep, keeping the ball, not not any silliness towards the end, which has been a mistake recently. And to, and to go away with a clean sheet after what was it? Ten goals in three games and some poor defending decisions being taken recently. Um, so, and, and some some mistakes by Dean, I think, as well. There's a couple of mistakes by Dean, I think, this game, which could have been could have been worse uh, on another day against another team,
5: we would have been punished more heavily for. So yeah, happy happy days. <laughs> it was it was harder to squeeze three points out of them than it was to squeeze a sausage roll off Steve Evans. I'm telling you, it was um, it was really hard because first half. Like I say, they were high up the pitch, really pressing. Derbyshire, if he'd been a bit more sharper, would have got a goal for him in the first half. But, I don't know, we held out. Second half, we came out a different team. I don't know what the team talk was from Warburton, but much better, much better second half. And thank God Dallas scored. (laughs) Pitchard never really got into the game. Uh, I thought that Douglas was playing too deep. And then when you take that out, and Dave wasn't performing like he's been performing lately, so when you take them three out the middle... Dallas was okay first half, but I thought then in the second half they stepped up. Pritchard suddenly he sort of like came alive second half. To win today and then go on the back of that to Brighton because they're they're a good side. They're in form at the moment under uh, you know the new manager uh, Chris Houghton. But you know it's one of them games. I think that if we play our good style of football, we could actually turn them over in their in their backyard because. We'll have a good support there next week. It could be three thousand, like Billy says. And I tell you what, we can actually do this, you know, we can turn this around. We're a great football inside and he's gonna get them playing football, so it should be an entertaining match.
2: So there you have it. In the pub after the game, people are fairly satisfied with how the bees dispatched Rotherham. And um, I mean boys, just listening back to that, you know, not a, not a lot really to say. We kind of just did a job really, didn't we?
3: Yeah, it was it was fairly fairly disappointing in the first half. Just you know, we I think we were all hoping that we'd come out all guns blazing and and, and blow Rotherham away. But you know, it's it's true they they should have been at least one, possibly two goals up. Um, we just didn't we just didn't we didn't spark in any area of the pitch at all. Um, make it, you know we were we were really looked really vulnerable at the back. The, the defensive setup just didn't look right. They didn't look comfortable. They looked like they were trying to over-try. and it just, you know, it, it was pretty worrying. And against a better team, we would have we would have been sort of, you know, the game would have been beyond us by the break. But fortunately, they couldn't finish with Toffee and um, in the second half, Warburton managed to sort of get them to to, to pull their fingers out, and they every, everything seemed to go to go right. And was, although we were worried, you know, would the goal come? Um, and it was a great finish by Dallas, and you know after that we should have we should have increased the lead. And but uh, Button pulled off an amazing save at the end, um, you know. So yeah, three points fully really deserved.
2: Matt, I mean I know that you like to do your analysis of what the team's doing, where they're playing. Um, defensively, what was what was going on in that game in the first half?
4: Well, I think the jury's still a bit out on the Dean and Tarkowski um, partnership in, as as two centre backs. Um, it, it, I, sometimes I thought they kind of overthought it. There was one there was one bit in the second half where the ball came across the goal line and towards Dean and there was only one option was put his foot for it and I swear he looked up and considered trying to play it and the ball was virtually on the goal line and I kind of think that summed up this sort of maybe a little bit of overthinking. I'm not quite sure where that comes from and, and why we've got a bit of that at the moment but it, it just didn't look that natural.
2: I mean, according to Steve Evans, the, uh, the lovely Rotherham manager who we get on very well with, he, he obviously wasn't overly impressed with uh, Brentford and thought they should have won about 7 or 8 nil. Is that is that correct, Laney?
3: Oh, no, I think he was impressed. I think he was just lying. Um, he, he seems to have uh, taken on the mantle of uh, uh, the next manager to get sacked, and he's, he's in proper defensive mode now. So, you know anything that he can do to undermine the opposition and, and sort of big up his own team, he, he'll do, even even at the risk of kind of coming over as just stupid, to be honest. You know, yeah, fair enough, his, his team sh- should have scored. The fact that they didn't was was, was down to, the, you know, the, the players that he's picked. You know, Derbyshire's woeful shot was, uh, was just, like, incredible and, um, <clears throat> you know, some of the fans before the game in the uh, in the Versace video this week were saying that they they think it was Derbyshire's last chance and you know I, I can't I can't see him cutting the mustard in the championship so um yeah no, you know from, you know you go through everything pretty much he said in those sound bites and you just like you can just rip it apart from the fact that they you know he they they taught us a football inlet they outplayed us and they dominated the game for loans for long spells you know it just they didn't. Um, you know, they he said we we spent ten million pounds on transfer fees to get that squad, and just we we haven't. Um, you know, um, he'd be kind of even dissed David Button for for putting off that save, saying if he was really any good week in week out, he wouldn't be at Brentford. So, you know, they, they, it was it came over as sour grapes, and um. You know, just just need to be a little bit more humble than that, I think. And you know, you, you flip that to how Warburton was. Um, you know, you just got to be consistent. You you can't fluctuate from from sort of, uh, you know, from 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 moaning about defeats week in week out. You know, you just you just have to be. You have to you have to call it as it is if you're going to have any credibility. And he just hasn't got any. You've just got to take one look at him and you know that he's a buffoon. We delivered
2: this game. Love it or hate it. We got the three points, but it's that old chestnut, that old cliche of grinding out a win, okay, which we did for this game. It wasn't pretty, but we got the results. Is that a positive side, do you think, Matt?
4: Yeah, it definitely is. Um, is an old cliche, isn't it? But, you know, when you can get results when you're not playing that well, then um, when you do play well, you should get even better results. So I know that sounds a bit... Um, you know, simplistic to say that, but um, yeah, I, I I kind of, I don't know, there was a thing like, a, a Brighton fan of mine was saying how much he took that win against us because it was the perfect way of doing it, backs against the wall and then they scored two goals with a, in the last 10 minutes and I kind of think in some way we needed a result like that against um, Rotherham Ware because I think if we'd have lost that and then um, then be facing this week, we would have been looking at a, a an ever-increasing mountain to climb, but, it was something that in a way you know sometimes little games like that sort of turn things for you and I'm um, just glad we stayed in it and then got something out of it in the end. But
2: interesting you say a mountain to climb. What mountain are we climbing? I mean, At the moment we're higher than anyone's expected us to be so all of a sudden, we talked about this before, are our expect- expectations gone up? Um, do we expect to win every week? If we lose two games in a row is this th- the absolute disaster? I mean what's, what's going
4: on here? Well, it would have been four in a row, and you know that does start to breed sort of, you know, this behaviour of starting to lose games and stuff. And I'm not saying we would, you know, it looked like we'd be relegated or anything like that. But you just, but losing four in a row just start to sort of, you know, everyone starts to. It's all, it's all a lot of this is about how confident people are, and it starts to knock the confidence out of the players, and then you start changing the team. And um, and I just think you need to keep the confidence going.
3: I, 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 just, I think that um, what we've what we've seen this season we've we've achieved a le- level of consistency where where by and large our performances have um, been rewarded by the, the points, um, and there was only a couple of games where we we had the performances and we and we and we just didn't have we didn't have the end result. We didn't have the three points or the or the cup win. Um, we had that early on, and then obviously we had we had that run. But I think that's that's where the alarm bells start to go. You think, oh God, you know, it, we, it, it, it all equates together. You, 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 get you. We're playing well. We're playing great football. Creating lots of chances. We're not taking them all, but we, we were getting in the three points. And you know, when it when reverses back to our goal scorers not not scoring, then yeah, it's, it gets you a little bit concerned. But you know, overall, there's nothing I've seen even with those three defeats that you know really worried me. Ipswich aside you know, they, they could have been another two wins. And Rotherham, good to ask a question,
4: but do you think they're poor? Um, I, yeah, I think they, their finishing was poor, um, I don't think they're a great side, we might have made them look even a little bit better than they are at times with sort of what was going on at the back, um, I think I've been saying this for a month or two, I think they'll go down.
2: I mean, and the reason why I asked that is that obviously we have had our little poll and we were talking about sort of the, some of the worst sides that we've seen this season. And, you know, we're not sitting down there thinking, oh, we're so brilliant. But, you know, we play a side like Rotherham and they obviously came down to Brentford to try and get a result which was probably primarily a draw. And if they could nick a win, they could do, you know, put it defensively, put it up there, but hit us on the break. Um, they didn't have much up front. Um, second half, creatively, they didn't really have that many ideas and you're just wondering in this division, are they going to be good enough?
3: I don't, I don't think they are. I mean, seeing them home and away, you know, that they, they, they played well in, in, in stages, but only when we didn't play well. Um, I, I think, you know, they're, they're punching well above their weight. Um, uh, they need to be punching above Steve Evans's weight if they're going to survive.
2: So we're going to have a little look around what's happening at Griffin Park and around the leagues at this moment in time. So last week, we heard that we lost out on the striker, Duisin, from Sturm Graz. So uh, we were looking for a striker, we didn't get it. This week, we lost out on another player, Bernardo. 1.2 million we bid for him from Sporting Gijon, central defender. Didn't quite happen, they said, Brentford, uh-uh, no way, we're keeping this boy. So uh, I think that deal's dead in the water now. What do you think,
4: boys, about that? Am I making it up, or isn't it Sporting Hehol? <laughs> Hehol, <Hee-haw>. possibly. <laughs> I've, I've always thought it was in my head, which is I always thought it was one of the great football team names.
3: Well, I, uh, can I just chime in there? I, mean, I, I don't think that as English men that we have to. When we, when, we, when we read a word that is a foreign word, we have to say it in their accent, because all week I've, I've been, you know, we've been watching footage from news news reporters in Paris, when they, they start talking about an incident and then they, they have to then slip in the name of wherever it happened in the most outrageous French accent, and you haven't got to do that with football teams either, you, you haven't got to say, um, oh and this week Brentford are playing <laughs> You know, it's it's. You just say it as you just say it in your normal voice, because so it's not hi-hon, It's it is gijon, or or whatever it is in a West London accent. It's not French accent all of a sudden. So I I say you're wrong,
4: Matt. <laughs> I'll take that. I, I just like I do like sporting hop, but I'll take that. Okay.
2: <laughs> so yeah, so we lost out on this boy. Um, And also, apparently, we're not sure if this is 100% true, but the word on the street was that we had a £500,000 bid turned down for South End goalkeeper David Bentley. And that was according to uh, Andy Stockhausen from the Bristol Post, who we chatted to him and he said that his source said that Phil Brown did reject a £500,000 bid. Now, our sources are saying elsewhere, so we don't know, but it's still out there in the ether that we may or may not have. I mean, I know that you've got a couple of thoughts about this, lads, about um, the fact that we bid for a couple of players, but at the same time we're we're quite happy with what we've got. I mean, there's there's kind of there's two two messages being sent out there, aren't there?
3: There are two messages, um, and the, the the messages are it's one's consolidation and one's um, going for promotion. So I am under no illusion that the squad that we have got without improving it without bringing anyone in without without spending one penny more is enough to keep us in this division so you know that and then on the flip side if we want to improve which we obviously do we're not going to stand still we're obviously going to be looking at players that they think don't quite fit in, people that aren't quite cutting the mustard, players that are at the end of their contracts and they might not give three-year contracts to, they might only give a one-year deal to, so that might mean moving them on, so it's that constant evolution, and the fact is that Brentford are now in the position where they are, and they know that there's money there, and they know that we're going to... You know, we are going to have another year of extra income in the championship, so the wages and the transfer fees go up accordingly. We, you know, it's Richard Lee said he's going to retire at the end of the season, and I know that um, Bonham had a really, really impressive game against Brighton a couple of weeks back. But we, we probably do need another goalkeeper, so it's, it's no, it's not, you know, it's, it's not uh, not that surprising that we're in the market for a goalie. Um, it's no surprise that we are in the in the in the market for a. Centre back, because you know things aren't quite right. You know they, they might be looking to move one on, um, and I'm surprised that uh, we haven't heard much, much more rumours about strikers. If I'm honest, they're all midfielders. So, um, so that's 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 news that uh, will happen. And I said, you know, week before last, it's going to be a fascinating transfer window, and I think. As as the as the month unfolds as well, if we, if we were to win at Brighton, um, and that sort of really does have us breathing down the necks of the top two again, I think they might push out and 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 spend more money than they might do if we lose on Saturday. So I think we're in a state of flux, and uh, I think it's going to be a great window. Well, interesting because Mark Warburton
2: actually said it's going to be a quiet transfer window. He said he's happy with what he has. So there's been no permanent signings at the moment now, other than McLeod, obviously, who's going to come into the side at some stage. Maybe there might be one or two loans, though. He didn't say that, but that's, that's the indication that maybe there might be one or two loans. However, we do have to look at the fact that, yes, we did make an offer of $1.2 million for a central defender, and we also were in, very much in, for a striker as well. Um, now, the question I'm going to ask you is that if we're going to bid $1.2 million for a central defender, a Colombian central defender from Spain. I mean, I mean, I don't know uh, who, uh, the the plan, but he's not going to be sitting on the bench,
4: or he's not going to be playing for the development team, is he? No, I agreed. Um, I think, and I may have misseen this, but I think he's 25 years old as well, which strikes me as um, a more unusual transfer <laughs> move than we've seen recently when you're spending money, because I I actually think that it's all about value, really. I think these He's out there looking for value and that is kind of the deal that possibly goes against that although maybe they still think it's value. I don't know. Um, that, that, that one, yeah, that does suggest that there's going to be some movement elsewhere because I think you've also got the, um, the FFP thing sort of hanging over us to some extent. So I don't know whether there's a question of do we need to... Sure, we're going to move somebody to bring people in and stuff like that. I'm not. I'm not so sure.
3: Um, Yeah, it just it just goes back to the 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 same point really. Is um, you know, it's, it's whether the ambition this year is is to consolidate ultimately, or is or it is to actually. Go for gold and, and, and go for promotion. and At the moment, we're not quite good enough to, 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 to go up automatically. Um, I don't think um, on what we've seen. I think potentially, you know, we're 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 stylish. We're we're a very promising and um, and very positive team, but we're not we're not top two. Um, I think we are top six on what I've seen, but we're, I don't think we're top two. To get that top two place, we are going to be have to be really clinical front of goal and I just don't I'm not sure whether it's the style of evolution that that, that Warburton's you know he, he doesn't he doesn't seem to be that cut and thrust ruthless where he will drop grey for not for not for having a couple of couple of poor games. Um, and, and bring someone in. I think he. he I think it looks like he's happy for for people to keep their place in the team and learn and 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 grow in confidence and grow in experience. So that doesn't really show. Doesn't doesn't really signal that we're going hell for leather for promotion this year. I think if it happens, it'll happen. But it's part of part of the, the, the team's evolution rather than um, just 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 chucking money at it and uh, and, uh, and, and and going for it. I think I think I think there's that we're caught in between two things, but I, 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 trust, I trust the way that Warburton's nurturing the, the squad and the players and, and, and us as a club, to be honest. The fact
2: is that you know we're doing all right at the moment. We're fifth place. We've, yes, we've been making defensive mistakes, but we've still been winning, and you know, to a certain extent, drawing games. We've been getting the results that we've needed. The problem that we've had is in scoring goals. We're scoring goals, but we need to score much more goals, and also our goal difference isn't great. So in that respect, you would have thought that the, main, the absolute main priority is going to be a goal scorer. We've talked about that before. You know, If a defender comes in to actually kind of work with what we've got already, that is another thing that goes into the pot. So the fact is that if this goal scorer comes in, it means that we're going to be very much in the mix I know we've talked about our contacts up north, up in uh, Liverpool, have said that you know there's a possibility that Conor McAllen will come back, and we talked about this a little bit last week. If something like that did happen, because at the moment now, we're, we are light up front. If Grey goes, we've got nothing else, but I think if something else like that did happen, do you think that that would actually give us the boost that
4: we need? I think if you bring, if you bring the right guy in, um, it will give us a boost. I. I think the worst thing we can do is go out and spend money on, for one, you know, another crossfit or something, someone that isn't a fit, another panic. Um, So that would be my big concern, is that we sort of, you know, get to the end of the transfer window and we panic, rather than do something sensible. I think ultimately, probably a loan deal is our best option now, because I'm sure we had people we were lining up, um, and it just hasn't quite worked out. Talking about not working out, we've
2: got a striker as well. Very, very promising young striker, Montel Moore. It's news of him this week that he's probably looking like he's going to go on loan to Michelin, which is uh, Matthew Benham's team out in Denmark, who are number one, top of the Super League up, up in Denmark. Um, part of the reason why he's not, obviously not getting game time here like he'd like to, um, he looks like he may have gotten a little bit of a pickle down here. We're not going to talk about it too much because uh, it went to court and he's pleaded not guilty to handling stolen goods. So it's going to go to trial. And as they say, uh, innocent till proven guilty. So let's leave that aside. But obviously he's in a bit of a pickle over here. So maybe the club's thought it might be better to remove him from the UK, get himself a bit of a fresher head, and go over to Denmark where he may or may not get some games, but also play with a very professional team who are top of the league um good move do you think montel
3: um yeah as you say i think you rightly say this and not really comment on on the case um uh yeah well you know if you've got a, an owner and a chairman that uh, links with with both clubs then i guess this is a a, a brilliant way of of, uh, of solving what what could be a an awkward situation or a career saving situation for a you know, undeniably promising player. You know, we 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 saw it. We've only seen him for people that don't go and see development games. We've only seen him in 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 very very brief glimpses. Um, but from what I've seen at, um, with Dagenham at the very start of the season, was he he he, <laughs> he a very 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 accomplished young young player and uh, a very promising one. So if if um, that does materialise, if he does get out to Denmark, and then uh, then hopefully he can learn from it. I remember Marcus Gale back in the day; he went out to uh, was it Finland or or, or Norway? He went to, he went he went up north. To, uh, to 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 uh, to to get first team football and to, to get a change of change of scenery and a change of environment and it worked out brilliantly for him so there's there's you know <clears throat> a change of scenery is, is a is a good way of solving an awkward situation sometimes
2: I mean there's a lot of people you know you see the, the rumours going around and like I said we're not going to go on the case and like that but they're very quick to dismiss players immediately um, and so you know you've got a scenario where It's almost like for Montel, even though there's nothing been proven, but he's almost got to prove himself even more because he hasn't made the first team. He's not really scoring goals regularly. He's somebody who's kind of like on the periphery. He can come in the side and he can either go one way or the other. But already now he's having to prove himself because he's not really in the limelight. So I'm just wondering, when you've got a move like this because you're away from the pressures of your own club, he now has to work even twice or three times as hard to actually kind of really now make a mark. So almost like that he could impress people back at home. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, a little bit like, you know when John Bostock came to Brentford um, and he came to Brentford off the back of, you know, I think it was Tottenham, he came down, and uh, we sent him back after about three or four weeks, didn't we? Because he just wasn't doing the business. He just didn't quite give the right attitude. He didn't really muck in. And uh, Harry Redknapp at the time gave him a right old, going over said, you know, I send you to these clubs and I really want you to just go and them to come back with glowing reports and you don't do so, you know, I'm just sort of mentioning this fact because I'm just thinking that he's got a real opportunity now for him to go somewhere else and for people to actually say, tell you something, this player's wicked, he's really working hard, he's trying real hard and uh, and for him to come back to Brentford and and, and start knocking in some goals for us, and you think?
3: Yeah, if we we hadn't gone up last year, it would have been a really Amazing season for Montel. I'm, I'm absolutely sure he would have been. He would have been sort of part of the, the, the starting eleven, probably week in, week out in League One. You know, the fact that we've gone up to the Championship and we, we you know, it, it's very difficult to give first team, for, first team game time to, to players who don't 100 percent deliver. You know, consistently. Um, you know, it, it's, it, unfortunately, you've got a. He'd probably better go and get first-team football somewhere else, um, and you know, come back, come back on the top of his game rather than try and learn his game um, I mean, in substitute appearances. You know, it's why Jake Reeves ultimately was moved on.
4: I think you know you get a few, you get a few opportunities as a football player. He's probably had one. Um, this is probably a second. So you know he's out of the firing line here, isn't he? He's away from everything else. He can concentrate on football. Um, In a period where, you know, if he was sort of still in, you know, around Brentford, he's got all this other stuff going on in his head. But this gives him the opportunity to concentrate on football for a few months, get playing some games, um, and um, and maybe learn some new things about both football and about himself. And talking about strikers,
2: let's just have a look at uh, one of our championship neighbours. A team that came up from Division 1, Wolverhampton Wanderers. We heard the other day that they actually signed benic Afobi from Arsenal in a roundabout way, because he was actually playing for MK Dons, a.k.a. Franchise FC. He was banging in the goals for them, scored 19 goals for them this season. I mean, this one came a bit out of the blue, because you sort of think, this guy's banging in the goals for Franchise. All of a sudden, Wolves have come in, put a couple of phone calls into Arsenal. They've said, all right, you can have him. Apparently, £2 million, they bid for him. He's now off to Wolverhampton Wanderers. Did that surprise you? Is it a bit out of the blue, that one, boys? Do you think they've got a bit of a move on there?
4: From what I've seen, I think they have. Um, You sort of wonder why we wouldn't be into that, maybe, but maybe two million is too much to spend on a player. Maybe we're going to spend X amount, I don't know. Yeah, they've kind of pulled another one out of the bag in some respects there, I suppose. I I
3: always wonder quite what you get with um, Arsenal cast-offs or Arsenal uh, youth players when they drop down a level. Um, You know, we we had Chouper Apcom Apcom last year um, and John Terrell this year um, at Brentford. Um, I think if they can... If they can play for another club as as well as they obviously did at Arsenal in the in the reserves or the B team or the or the um or the development squads, then then you, know, you you're going to get a great player. But I I just I just you know you, you mentioned Bostock as well, Bill, earlier. There's always examples of of players that feel they sh- they should be um with with their parent club and they really do struggle to acclimatise to. To you know, with attitude and um and sort of like sometimes the culture of moving away from London to uh, to, to some of these towns. So you know, yeah, I think two million quid for a from a for an untried or a reasonably untried um player in, in the championship is is, is a is a lot of money. Two million quid that's a that's a that's a big fee bill.
2: It is a big fee, but interestingly, I mean, there's a couple of things I'd say. First of all, for me, uh. Jackie, he pulls out a little move, last, exactly this time last year he was, they were sort of like slightly faltering walls, and they just needed to get a bit of firepower. and they came out and out the wall they managed to get a similar type thing, they got Dicko pulled from from Rotherham banging the goals in for Rotherham he was, pulled him back, Uwe Rosler we thought maybe that Uwe might send him to us when they pulled him but instead he sold him to Wolves and I think he proved to be a really key signing in Wolves winning that championship last season They've done exactly the same thing this year where they've pulled a striker who's banging in the goals again for another team, proven to a certain extent at a level, and they put the money in and they've taken him. And I I just personally think that could be a bit of a move for them, which actually may see them move up a level. And second thing, you're talking about him and being relatively inexperienced. Actually, I know he's been at Arsenal, but he's actually been on load loads. He's been at Huddersfield, 28 games for Huddersfield, three games for Reading on loan, twenty games for Bolton on loan. Five games for Millwall unknown, twelve games for Sheffield Wednesday unknown. Then he played thirty for a franchise, um, which he scored twenty goals. So he scored twenty goals in thirty games. It's, you know, it's more than a goal every two games there. Um, that,
3: that, that, that comes across as unsettled, Bill, rather than yeah, you know, he, he's got a few, a few here and a few there. So it's been, you know, he would have spent longer surely if it was if these moves were working out well.
2: No, possibly, but again, maybe. What I, I again, I don't. I'm not saying this is the right thing or the wrong thing to do, but you know, maybe he's like if you talk to him like Juba Akpog. Juba Atcon came to Brentford and Coventry, and those two haven't worked out for him. He did Huddersfield, Reading, Bolton, Millwall, Sheffield Wednesday before he went to franchise where he scored 20 in 30 games. Now, what happens with I think with a lot of these players, they come from <laughs> Arsenal. They think, yeah, I'm Arsenal. I'm Arsenal. I ain't going any lower than the championship because I'm just Arsenal. I mean I want to have a Prem team. So they go to Huddersfield and he gets twenty eight appearances but doesn't do anything. Then he goes, Oh, I'll go to Reading now and he keeps every team he had was a championship team. Huddersfield, Reading, Bolton, Millwall, Sheffield Wednesday. It's only when he dropped down to division one he was obviously maybe able to find form, be able to find himself properly, you know, so eventually that's when he found his form and that's when he got the big move.
3: So or you could say he's a good league one player and he's not a championship striker. You could see, you could read that both ways. You could do, and we, we won't know until we see what he does over the next, well, two or three
2: years, because he's got, obviously, a two or three year contract, and maybe he might need, still need time to develop. So it might take him two months, three months, six months, a year, 18 months. But, you know, they've got him for two, two mil, and if he comes good in a year and a half's time, he's going to be worth 10 mil. We, we, we will see, anyway.
3: You, I mean, going back to strikers, and um, we're saying how, how important goals are at this level. You know, you, just looking at the league table, there's only out out of the top seven, there's only one team who've got a positive goal difference. Um, so Brentford's Brentford of being plus six is is ten goals better off than Wolves, and Wolves have got those two landmark signings from 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 League One that took them to the title. So you know, I don't think our I don't think our goal scoring is is that awful. Um, you know, there's I I I would have to call up the the league tables from this time last year and the year before to see if it's unusual. But to see to see everyone in minus territory from eighth place down, apart from Blackburn, who were just plus one, is pretty extraordinary. So there's either some terrible defending going on or there's not a lot of goals around. So um, it's a, it's, a, it's an oblique league in terms of that and obviously the, the managerial merry-go-round that seems to never end. I'm
2: talking about managerial merry-go-round, it nicely brings me to this as well. We've had yet another sacking in the championship this week. And this one sort of came a little bit out of the blue, only because he's been in the he's only been in the job for about three or four months. Bob Peters got sacked from Charlton, um, but a bit of a strange setup going on at Charlton. Obviously, they brought in Mr. Roland um, Roland Duchelet. and he's come from Standard Age, the Belgian, and he's tried to change things around. He sacked Chris Powell, said I'm going to change things, change the ethos around at Charlton. And it just, it just doesn't seem to be working right for him. I think they've had four managers in the last ten months, which is completely and utterly ridiculous. Um, you know, Peters has only been in there sort of three or four months. You know, they've had you know other managers out there as well. Um, and uh, I don't know what's going on with Charlton because Charlton used to be a club that were they were very solid. People had a lot of respect for them. They were doing excellently in the in the Prem. You know, they're a middling Prem side, but they had you know they had a lot of good things going on for them. And uh, I don't know if they just decided to go for the gold and said, listen, let's just ditch this, let's go for the gold, and they almost lost everything that they were built on, and now they're down to this. And, and in a way, I actually feel sorry for the fans. I know a lot of Charlton fans, and they're just like you know. They're pulling their hair out. They just, you know, they don't want to go anymore. They're just not feeling any vibe for the club. I mean, what are you saying?
4: Well, firstly, did you not mean Roland Dutchatelet? You know, <laughs> there you are trying to get these funky names in. <laughs> that's right. And that's what I meant, the Dutcher Tellet. Yeah, the Dutcher Tellet. Um, it's, um, we, we, we didn't see that. I didn't see that coming, but actually, when you look at his record, um, it hasn't been that great, has it, in recent um in recent weeks, I don't know that didn't they, they haven't won in eight or they or something like that. And then we can also look at they've, they have ten is it ten? They haven't won ten in ten. yeah, okay. They've drawn thirteen games this season. Almost fifty percent of their games have been draws this season. So maybe um, maybe that's another reason that you you know your your Charlton friends are, are, are not enjoying it so much. Um, so maybe that was one we didn't see coming. But but when you look at that, I don't I don't know. I mean, just. Nobody sticks with managers these days, do they? They they get these guys in and and they just sort of you know they get six months to prove themselves. Um, heaven heaven help us if we'd have got Warburton in straight away as a manager and given him six months to prove himself. Yeah, yeah. Um,
3: yeah. So when we I know we talked about it fairly at length, you know, yeah. about three or four weeks back, but I mean you know now it's it's changed. So there's now only nine clubs out of twenty four who have the same manager in mid-January, as they had at the start of the season, which is absolutely crazy. And three of those clubs have had multiple managers in, in that time as well. Um, so there's Bournemouth, Derby, Ipswich, Middlesbrough, Brentford, Sheffield Wednesday, Blackburn, and Millwall, who are the only clubs to have the same manager. They did at the start of the season, and you've got to say, surely, that Millwall is Ian Holloway it's got to be on. It's got be on very, very shaky ground there, down down in South London. You know, within in the relegation zone. It's not looking good. Oh, sorry. Obviously, Rotherham, um, Steve Evans. So, so Steve Evans um, and and Ian Holloway, I, I would say, are kind of fighting for their their survival as one well of their teams. So, um, it's it's not looking good.
2: I mean, I was looking at the list, and you know, if you wanted to sort of kind of pick out. Um, as we tried to do a couple of weeks ago, who is not looking good for. Obviously, there's, uh, you talked about Holloway and Steve Evans. No, not looking great for either those two. But also Stuart Pearce if, at Forest. If Stuart Pearce wasn't Stuart Pearce, he'd already be on his way, wouldn't he? Well, they've already said that. He said that, I've got a little bit of leeway. I've got a bit of game time. You know, they've given me a bit of rope here because of who I am. I don't think he said it as such, but there's an indication that he knows that. But he knows that's going to run out in a bit. So, um, you know, PSC's in a bit of trouble down there at Forest. Um, interestingly, only because Fulham is Fulham, Kit Simons, who you know, he's had a bit of an up and down. I mean, they went out, I know they, they won in the Cup the other day, so maybe that might give them a bit of a boost, but you just never know with Fulham what's going to go on down there as well. Um, I'd say about Leeds, we talked about multiple managers, but I mean, if I was Redfern, I'd just be, you know, I'd have my bag packed already and just have it in the corner. you know. <laughs> Because <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, that geezer he might not be properly the chairman because he's had to remove himself for a couple of hours while uh, while we come to the end of the tax year, so he can put himself back in place. But um, he's all over the place there, chairman and um, Redfern. I'll be, I'll be. Well, maybe he's not worried because he probably understands it all. But I think he could be on a bit of a pickler because looking at that league position of theirs, and they're looking to sell their best player. I can't remember uh, the d- defender who's looking to go to, I think it's Derby, I can't remember exactly where it was, I've just read up on it, but um, got, a, got a, one of their best players is going to go, and they're saying that if he goes, the uh, the core of their side's going to go as well, and they could actually four away, which is actually a bit of a dangerous move. But coming back to this whole thing, Wigan, oh my words, if you ever look what's
3: going on down at Wigan, with um, with uh, Malky Mackay, same Morgan Mackay I was gonna actually, I was just literally gonna say I'm Morgan Mackay. so you know, it's it's yeah there could be another another change I, I'm serious they they they
2: want him out they he is in all sorts of trouble down there the fans don't like him they think he's completely clueless it's actually got to the stage where the fans in Wigan are kind of lambasting. Rosler going, and they're saying, "Oh my God, you know, at least Rusler was a thinking man. He wanted us to play proper football, and blah blah blah. And we didn't give him the right time, and now we've got Malky Mackay. This is a nightmare. He's got absolutely no idea. So I'm thinking, cool blimey, these guys are in all sorts of trouble there. And uh, as 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 one manager told me um, the other day, he said that is a um, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he says it's sort of like a sort of cr- like a crackpot bin um, down at Wigan. Um, what's going on down there is just it's just he just said it's just absolute madness. Um, and you know I feel sorry for the fans because you know a small club like us, and uh, they've got a chairman who obviously planned a lot of money in at some stage, but
4: it's obviously gone terribly, terribly, horribly wrong. Oh, are we the league with the most bonkers chairman then? <laughs> it's probably
3: that, but it's just, and obviously, it's probably a very sort of a unique set of circumstances that's made it happen. But you know, the underlying, the underlying pressure is to to survive, not go down. And for for the certain clubs that have been here and spent a lot of money um, trying to go up, is to actually go up. You know. Um, I'm sure Brentford and Bournemouth are the flying the ointment of, of a lot of managers and chairmen. they got, you know, they're looking at, uh, and I've said this a couple of weeks back as well. It's, you know, they're looking at, what no, these guys are doing this with this budget, and I've given you all of this, and we're, we're not, you know, we're bumming down the bottom of the league. You know, it's not helping them. Um, we, we we've, Brentford and Bournemouth have probably been responsible for probably five or six of those sackings just by a bit, just just by the fact that we have had good seasons and they haven't. So, um,
2: bringing it I bring it back to Charlton, actually, I just want to talk about this guy Luzon because Guy Luzon's come in, and uh, I mean, if you don't know much about him, he was uh, the ex-manager of Standard Liege. He actually won the league with Standard Liege last season. They had the best defensive record on the league that season, and they're all very happy. This season, uh, they didn't have such a good start to the season, and uh, they, they went down to about 12th. They played a game. can't remember who the game was against, and the fans were so unhappy, they rioted. I think the game was actually called off, um, and uh, he got the sack immediately after that. I think they were scared. They thought, oh, no, this, is a, this, this manager instigates riots, so we can't have that, and uh, this is his first team since uh, she has been sacked from uh, being manager of Standard Liège um and the, and the word on the street is quite a lot of the f- the Charlton players are actually frustrated with him being employed because they wanted to have somebody who's had more experience of uh, managing at championship level or even at english football so he's already gone in and again we've got that scenario where he's going to have to prove to the players and try and win their uh, their respect and uh in a way he could be in a bit of a hiding to nothing there
4: don't you think uh, just go just go back to that turnaround to win the champ if- a manager wins the league, the national league, and they're rioting to get him out by mid-October of the following season. Um, <laughs> they're people with sort of, you know, that maybe they're people that should be applying for chair for chairman of championship clubs or something.
3: <laughs> I mean, this, this Belgian experiment—it'd be really interesting because, obviously, you know, a year ago, probably not quite so much. You know, a year on, but you know, it was—it's a, a golden generation for for Belgian. Talent and um, to 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 see a kind of an experiment within the English pyramid would would have been, would, would be good if it was successful. But um, it uh, what's happening at Charlton's pretty average, isn't it? Really, if you compare it to what's happening at Brentford, they seem to be uh, they seem to be light years behind. Our setup and and what we're what you know what we're trying to do, you know. And I know but Charlton, they had the, a they had the solid start to the season. Let's not forget they were unbeaten for about a million games, weren't they? Um, so it's only it's only it's only recently where they've you know the wheels have come off a little bit. So oh, I I think Peters has been a little bit hard done by there, you know. It's um, he wasn't he not doing a terrible job, and it's just it's just in the aspirations in you know, it's Whether they whether whether they see themselves as you know, deserving to be in the in the Premier League. You know, they, we, we we've got those kind of situations to deal with in, in in future years. It's kind of where we see ourselves, where where we feel we deserve to be, and it's, there's teams in this division that feel they deserve to be in the Premier League, and then that brings a set of set of problems all of their own. But it's interesting as well. You talk about
2: Peters. He said, and he obviously knew this was coming. He said. When Luzon was sacked at standardly age, I knew I had to be careful. So he's obviously knows the thinking of their owner. Like he's thinking, ah, here he goes, he's been sacked at standardly age, my job's already on the line. So um, I mean I would actually probably like to throw guy Luzon into the sack race pot already. I know he's only been in for a couple of days <laughs> but I think that is his time's gotta be limited.
4: Well it made if the Charlton fans riot on Saturday they could get rid of him. Who <laughs> they got Saturday? I not got
2: they? I can't remember who they got Saturday, but they've probably got Blackpool or somebody. I've got no idea.
4: But they've they certainly been given a lead, haven't they, by the Stanley age fans?
2: Laney, <laughs> so you've got a 125 year book reprint coming up, don't you?
3: Yeah, I think we're going to announce it Monday, Tuesday next week formally, but um, we've had a lot of people who um, unfortunately didn't get um, in on time to, to, to sort of tuck into one of the 750, 125 year anniversary Brentford books that were sold before Christmas. It was just like a ridiculous um, just, you know, selling frenzy by the, by the club shop. We sold 750 copies in just over two weeks, um, and that caught a lot of people uh, by surprise. So, um, so yeah. So what? What it, what it would appear we're going to do is um, we're going to have to have 500 at least reprinted. It looks probably going to be 600. Um, and we're going to we're going to start um, start pre-selling those, um, so people are probably going to have to buy their copies in advance. And when we when we hit a, a certain trigger point, we'll we'll press the print button. It's just a colossal um, colossal risk. Otherwise, um, the books are just very very expensive to produce, and anyone who's seen them will just realise what what's you know what what. what Great book it is. So um, yeah, so we're we're gonna announce that on Tuesday. i we'll have another meeting with Greville and Mark, the other two authors. But um yeah, so you know, I think it was our job um, after seeing how many people were, were kind of left short was to kind of make sure that people didn't go without. There's a lot of fans that have come up to me who I know are week in, week out, home and awayers, and uh, for them not to have you know, this book would, be, would have been a, a, real, a real shame. So um, we'll, we'll make sure that anyone that hasn't got it has, uh, has given every opportunity to get one. Rotherham, dispatched,
2: out the way we need to look forward to hopefully it's going to be our next three points looking ahead to the Brighton game at the weekend back to full strength we are from the last Brighton game we had Button and Pritchard who were out for that game so they're back for this game fingers crossed Alan Judge it's a bit of a question mark about him though Um, a couple of contradictory comments you know Mark Warburton said that you know he just pulled him as a slight precaution and a slight injury. He should be back soon. Then other rumors going around saying that he could be out for sort of maybe four, five, six weeks. So we don't know how that's gonna lie. You know, Judge was very much missed against Rotherham on Saturday and we really would like to see him back in play against Brighton because he's a real fly in the air. Looking forward to this game, boys.
4: Yeah, I think um I think we didn't really, we didn't cover this with the Rodham game, but it feeds in well to the Brighton game. Is that we really did miss Judge. Um, the way we lined up, arguably, Pritchard played, tried to play that role, but he didn't cover the ground that Judge normally covers. Um, so, if we losing him for a few games, I yeah, I'm a little bit concerned. I do think he's probably been the, for me the player of the year. So I'm hoping he's fit again by this Saturday. I don't know how likely that is.
3: I think his energy levels are really probably the equivalent of one and a half other players. So to take to take a judge out of the team, you you're, you really are missing some some sort of energy reserves and some the way he, he tracks back and he, he he's one of those one of those players. He, he really does cover every inch of the of the pitch during during the course of the 90 minutes, and he's a he's a 90 minute player as well. You know, Jota he, he's you know he, he's he's um you know a, a fabulous player on the iron you know he, he will be up there when when the, when the votes are cast for the for the player of the season you know there's every chance of winning it but uh, its this is not he doesn't always play for ninety minutes where where Jakey does pretty much and. Um, You know what? Just what a signing. I think Warburton said at the beginning of the season is the signing of the year, and maybe that's why. (laughs) Maybe that's why he's uh, not looking to, you know, to be that busy in the transfer window because, really, you know, when you've got when you've got players like that already in the team, it's it's really it's really difficult to. We don't want to be taking too many risks and and spending silly money on 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 people that aren't proven yet. And you know.
2: One other thing is also Douglas. Um, the last couple of days, he's probably been slightly below par, as he? I mean, and again, you know, some people are wondering whether or not he's carrying an injury. Um, he st- seemed to have sort of slightly lower energy levels than he did from, you know, maybe back in the last year. I mean, speaking to one of my friends, he said, "Look, you know, Bill, it's mid-season now, and you know, the players they get tired. You know, they get a- absolutely knackered. They're tired. They played a lot of games, and it's quite hard." Um, and you could also see, you know, why certain managers like to use the rotation system because they try to sort of free the players up to give them the little bit of recharge and put them back into the side. But yeah, Dougie's just been a little bit, you know, just a little bit under the weather though, isn't he? I,
4: I think he has. Um, I think on Saturday we probably noticed it more because Judge wasn't there picking up the pieces. But mate, or maybe it's a bit like the, um, the 2000 and let me get my years right. The 2012, 13 season where to, I think right towards the end of the season, um, he picks up an injury, and I think, I think he didn't play the last couple of games or he came off after, you know, half-time or something um, when we got into the playoffs. And um, and he reminded me a little bit of that. He just look doesn't quite look at the races at the moment. Um, and I always thought that that was partly what caused us, um, you know, what stopped us getting promoted that year as much as penalties, etc. Um, so, yeah, I think he's a little bit below where he has been, definitely.
3: I think, I think he is carrying a knock, yeah. Yeah. Um, He's not he's, hes not quite as influential as he has been, and which, which just shows you again what a, what a great player he's been. So, uh, you know, we we you, you notice you notice where you know two or three percent or five percent of off of his normal performance levels is is uh, you know he's really that noticeable. So, um, you know, he's, I, I still think he, he needs to—he needs to be in the team. <laughs> at, all, at all times, it's, it's better. It's better to be with a 95%
4: dougie than no dougie at all. Do you, and, do you think that possibly that um, with when Dave plays as the holding player, that that that's more of Douglas's sort of natural position, and when he gets pushed forward a bit, it's not quite as, um, you know, not quite his position. Um, possibly. I think- I mean, I
2: saw Dougie played you know, earlier when he was doing the marauding where he was actually, you say, pushed forward, but he was actually up the front, he was at the back, he was all over the place. And he, I thought he looked really dangerous, you know, when we're talking about, was it September, October? He he scored a few goals, he was marauding up front, and I thought, you know, we, at that time we thought, oh, this is brilliant. You've got Judge buzzing around in the middle there, and then you've got Dougie going up backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, like, you know? And that was a great moment, but, you know, that's, that's what I say to you. You don't... You don't know whether or not at the moment. Now you just sort of think, oh, after doing that week in, week out, you're just knackered.
3: Well, you know, he almost scored Saturday. He, he was within. He was within a toe away of of knocking it into an empty net. The ball came. The ball came across, and the, and the, and the defender literally, literally. I don't know how he did. He just he just just managed to clear it. Um, and you know, Dougie ended up biting the net. I think he, I think he did. He was just so frustrated that he'd made the run, he'd found that extra couple of yards, and the the ball was almost perfect, and the defender just just nipped in and, and took it off his toe. So you're um, he's still you he's still making those runs, but it's just, it's like a lot of things with Brentford in the last last two or three weeks that that the the, the uh, that little bit of luck that ball coming coming to the right person. At exactly the right time, it's not quite been happening. So, you know, it's probably a couple of factors there. And 2,800 tickets,
2: roughly, bees are sold for this game, which is uh, it's going to be an absolutely fantastic away support. You know, it's out of London, it's a bit of a road trip, lots of people doing weekenders and everything like that down there. But 2,800 bees, you know, slightly short of the 3,000 that Fulham did, but I think they managed to wangle a few by threatening to go into the home end. And I think Brighton actually leveraged a few more tickets to make sure that didn't happen. But you know, considering you know, the amount of
4: home support that we get, um,
2: do you think that's pretty pretty healthy numbers?
4: I think it's really impressive, actually. Um, if you'd have asked me how many I thought we would take, maybe just over two, something like that, um, I, I think it shows how much the team have caught everyone's imagination, you know? You know, for that amount of people to have going through an away match, maybe if more tickets were available, we could have sold more. Maybe if they went on so earlier, we would have sold more. Um, so I think it says a lot for for the sort of the general feeling around the club at the moment.
3: I think it's, it's staggering, really. I mean, you know, that's that's a quarter, really, of a, of, a, of a home of a home game to to take that to a to an away game is, is, is incredible. But you know, you, you look you look through uh, the whole the whole of the, the, fix, the away fixtures so far. It's, it's you know, it's just been it's been amazing. The numbers that Brentford have taken, I know. Yes, clearly our first season back at this level. And if you if you're gonna if you're not, if you're gonna not miss a game all season, this this is the season not you know to do it. Um, but um, you know, it, and we've got some amazing games to come still. It's, it's games that you know we've got Birmingham and we've got Norwich. We'll be taking quite a few um, Ipswich. I'm sure we'll take a load to Derby. We'll, we'll probably take a load to, um, and obviously we've got Fulham. Uh, Leeds, um, you know, but we, we're going to be taking, and Reading, you know, we're going to be taking big, big away followings to all of those, and I wouldn't surprise me if we, we're going to surpass, you know, a 4,000, 5,000 away game, and it, it might be Reading, hopefully it would be the Reading match, because there might be something rising on that, and, um, you know, we'll probably be able to get as many tickets as we want, because Reading fans won't be selling that game out.
2: I think it'll be the Fulham game will be the one where I'll we'll be looking at a sort of uh, definitely over three thousand, could be a four thousand away following for that one, which would be quite interesting seeing as it's uh, seven forty five at night on a good Friday, so I think everybody'd be up for a bit of a bit of a long day out that one. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but listen, that's Chris Uton's first home game this is. And uh, so it's a bit of a homecoming for him. They reckon it possibly could be the record crowd of the season. Probably not pushing the, the record crowd at the stadium, but the record crowd of the season, which was, uh, I think it was about 28,000, is the record crowd of the season. So it'll be a bit of a buzz down at, Chol- uh, down at Brighton. But um, they actually played Charlton last week, and they beat Charlton last week, if I remember rightly. Um friend of mine, Charlton friend, he watched a game, and I said to him, our Brighton, because they beat us, and we're a bit worried because we're playing them next week, he said, the game was played out by two poor sides, he said. He said Brighton weren't that great, Charlton weren't that great. So it looks like Chris Featon's still got his work cut out to do, but he's still got that new manager syndrome to a certain extent, haven't we? Yeah,
1: Yeah,
4: it's his first home game, so I guess there'll be that feel-good factor. Um, I always think he's a bit dour, though. I can't imagine him, you know, walking out and, you know, giving it the big one in front of everybody. Um, They weren't that great, though, when we played them either. So you know, hopefully that he's not... He has still got his work cut out. Maybe he'll try... I don't know whether he's going to settle with what he's got or he's going to keep trying something different because maybe if the performances aren't that great, he'll try something else. Um, but I still think we've got the beating of them. Do you
2: think they're going to have one eye on the cup? Because obviously, after beating us, they've got Arsenal the following week in the cup. And do you think that might actually kind of have a bit unsettled?
3: No. I, I think the league, the league survival's everything to them. I think, I think Arsenal... Um, is probably a little bit not a distraction, but you know, as 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 the, the, you know, the owner of the club and then the board of directors, it'll be a little bit of a windfall. But they're they're perilously close to the drop zone down down at the bottom of the division, and that's that's not that's not in the business plan. It's it's going back to League One. So, um, Hewton's job is to to get them up the league, um, the cup run. On, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that they'll they swap uh, a quarterfinal or a semi-final appearance for for, for eight points. I think they I think they'd uh, be more than happy to have a nice little uh, league run instead. Um, from what I've seen of Brighton in the two games we played them, we're way better than them. Um, and if we play at our potential and um, they play at theirs, we're going to come back with the points. You know, they've they they've looked very very average. Um, they looked okay in stages in the first game um, and they couldn't defend um, and they really didn't offer much in the FA Cup match at all. So um, there's nothing I've seen that suggests that we, we go there with any sort of trepidation um, So I don't don't expect a win I don't expect wins at all this season I, I know but I'm, I, there's no reason to suggest this beyond us.
2: We're talking about I mean I know I just mentioned charlton there and Chelton play play Brighton last week and there was that terrible story about a group of Charlton supporters, the Charlton Rainbows, who's the, the Gay and Lesbian group at Charlton, who actually got ambushed and beaten up quite badly before the match. Um, so that's a terrible thing that's happened. I know that's been investigated and just want to sort of flag up the point here. Nothing to do with this at all, but we just want to say that I know there's a, a bit of banter as they say going around about chanting certain things, but um, just to let you know, Wolves fans, I think four, four Wolves fans got arrested last year for homophobic chanting at Charlton, so it's not acceptable. So I just think that, you know, I'm sure Brentford fans don't go out and do that, but just flagging it up there that, you know, it's not acceptable down there. The police will actually go and arrest, and I think these guys are looking to be banned from football as well. So we just need to be, you know, careful. We just to make sure that people are on their best behavior and, you know, banter is on the right side of banter as opposed to on the aggressive <laughs> and the nasty side. Just get
3: on your team. You know, right. don't, don't, worry, don't worry about all that. Just, um, just, just get behind Brentford. It's, uh, it's, it's not about, uh, it's not about how many, uh, how many, how many jokes you can get into it. It's just, just get behind Brentford and then uh, just cheer them on to win. So, boys, just quickly,
2: just what's going to be the difference between Saturday the third of January in the FA Cup and this Saturday?
4: All right. Dave doesn't think that the game against Arsenal will come into it. I, I, I think it could go there's two ways it could go. There are players that actually will be desperate to play against Arsenal. They could play out of their skin. There may be other players that are guaranteed a spot against Arsenal. They don't want to get injured. Um, so yeah the club, for the club it may not be that big but I'm sure when you come to some of the players that haven't played in the Premier League at that level before it's a big, big game and their eyes will be partly on it.
2: So Matt? This brings me around to your score prediction, mate, because we were horribly, we were all horribly wrong last. I mean, I said 5-0 last week, and I was just so out of the picture. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go that mad again, the, the rush of blood to my head. Score prediction for this game on Saturday? Uh,
4: I think I'm going to go for a 1-0, I think a draw. I think we can sneak a win, um, but I'm going to go for a draw.
2: Mr Lane.
3: Well, Mr Grant, I am going to go for... Brentford win and they will win by
2: three goals to one. Interesting myself I'm gonna go much more conservative than I went last week I'm gonna go for a Brentford win but only one goal to nil I think we'll sneak it we've learnt this trade of actually just kind of winning, grinding the win out and we're gonna get a 1-0 on Saturday and that'll be good enough to put us and keep us in fifth place. So listen we're gonna wind this up it's been a good chat, chatting about loads of things today This is the Brentford Pride of West London podcast. You can catch us on the Besotted website, besotted.co.uk. We've also got the uh, podcast site, which is Audioboom, Boom forward slash besotted. And also check out our YouTube channel for all our videos, YouTube Besotted 1992. So listen, been a good chatting with the lads this evening. We are looking forward to our weekender in Brighton. It's going to be a right laugh. There's going to be Brentford fans everywhere. They're going to be in every nook and cranny, and uh, hopefully we're going to make a lot of noise. Get right behind our team, and we're going to get ourselves right back on track again. Brighton play good football. We play good football, so that's the passing game that we need. None of these clumpers. And hopefully we're going to see the bees three points. Come on, you bees! Come on, you bees!
3: in Brighton. You bees.